social impact. Just what are public-private partnerships? How are we keeping children safe? Children are being reduced to data points so outcomes can be tracked. Now there's a predatory model based on profit. When you are talking about money and children, the system gets gamed and you, the parent, lose your voice. Is it really informed consent? You decide. Here's your host, Lynn Davenport. You're listening to Social Impact. I'm Lynn Davenport, your host, and I'm here today with Michael Yanez. And Michael is a husband and a father. He's an aviation professional and aviation trends researcher. And That's you have 20, 21 years of civil and military aviation experience. That's so correct. welcome to the show. Thank you, Lynn. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here with you. Well, so you contacted me, I guess it was over a year ago, through a mutual friend, uh, Allison McDowell. She's a phenomenal researcher. We've had her here on Social Impact, and uh, she has a blog called Wrench in the Gears. Mm-hmm. And so you had been reading her research on the Fourth Industrial Revolution and, and so she connected us because of your research in aviation and the Great Reset. So I want to talk about your capstone project. But first, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, anything that I, I missed there. Sure. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, you pretty much hit all the points, 20 years, uh, both fixed and rotary wing uh, platforms. Uh, I'm also a uh, certified uh, flight instructor for the FAA. I take great pleasure. It's a hobby of mine, teaching uh those the challenges and joys of learning to fly small airplanes so i come from a long line of uh educators and so it's uh, it was a good niche for me to to fall into but uh talking about the capstone it's titled aviation implications covid 19 the great reset and the fourth industrial revolution i uh chose this topic it is it is uh and it took me uh, it was about a nine week uh non-stop around the clock journey to write this paper and i chose that title because uh after seeing a lot of trends uh, from the literature put up by the World Economic Forum, uh, more specifically Klaus Schwab's The Fourth Industrial Revolution, Shaping the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and COVID-19 Great Reset, I noticed a lot of similarities between your work, you, Lynn, Ab- Lynn Davenport, have done, in addition to Alison McDowell's uh, work, tying the human element with the technological element, using the framework of public-private partnerships as the vehicle to implement these plans and schemes uh, in the name of increased productivity, efficiency, and safety. And they do that. They use the public-private partnerships to skirt transparency because they're able to to do the deals kind of behind the scenes. And so they're not doing it there at the horseshoe through elected bodies. It's done in partnership with government agencies. And, and so I think that's important for people to understand because it sounds good at public-private. It's a little, you know, hybrid of the two. But what I found, it's just a way to cook the books. Reads nice on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, when you read, when you, you know, I, I didn't want to just... Uh, in order to do Klaus Schwab justice, I went out and bought the books. There were a couple of sources that I had initially referred to, and they gave me their analysis. And it was, you know, pretty eye-opening, but to so, be fair. So Klaus Schwab, he's kind of like the, the he almost looked like Dr. Evil, the way he dresses. And, and he comes out and he talks about the great reset and how mm-hmm. we're, we're going to, uh, what does he say, uh, you'll, you, you will... Uh, own, not, own nothing and you will be happy, right? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. using COVID-19 as the, the accelerator, if you will. Right. So he's been writing about this since the 70s. And so he's on his, well, he's, writ- he's written third, three books and three he's books. on his fourth. The fourth is the great narrative. Mm-hmm. That'll be coming out next year. Isn't it? 
Yeah. So, okay. So the fourth industrial revolution, that's a mouthful, but Mm -hmm. essentially that is, uh, so it's um, the, we will be automating jobs. Essentially, yeah. So it's essentially changing what it means to be human. And to that effect, he means we're going to, we're going to combine the human element with the technological element, going back to what I said, you know, increase efficiency, productivity, accountability, safety. And that spoke to me because in the aviation sense, safety is a big deal Yeah. in, in flying, especially in the aviation industry. You know, we've done a great job um, building uh, a very stellar track record of safety. In this case, and what I allude to in the paper, using the two-pilot uh, flight deck model with these uh, advanced automotive architectures that give us this utility, you know, essentially a utility in the sky for the paying passengers of the, the world to take advantage of. And in some of the research that I've seen and delved into, there's some very powerful, well-funded forces that are trying to essentially program the human out of the flight deck. And I'm not sure that the standard run-of-the-mill paying passenger understands that. So in order for me to connect Klaus Schwab and his books of literature, which is a very strategic uh, view, to a very specific paper, i.e., I'm a paying pastor, I'm about to go jump on an airliner and go fly from A to B, what connects them? Mm -hmm. So the same framework that influenced education that you looked at, uh, the same framework uh, that we run the risk of losing our humanity that Allison has talked about is in here. Well, and teachers are ushering in their own demise. They're they're working themselves out of a job when they endorse uh, technology, more technology, bringing in that automation, replacing the teacher with devices, and the, the administrators are doing the same thing. But I, I, I try and get the you know those who are on the ground to understand that you you're basically bringing in your replacement. Yeah, you'll be right. a, a digital facilitator for a while until it's complete. Uh, elimination of jobs. And so they're always talking about this future, the future of work, and this future and this fourth industrial revolution that they want to bring in using COVID-19, as you said, as the the vehicle, the tool, the the catalyst to expedite this. So Klaus Klaus Schwab had these plans, and maybe he's the the front guy. We don't know, I mean, where this really comes from. But the, the point is, it's been in the making for a long time. They just needed a, a big crisis, a global crisis. A pandemic is right. really the perfect crisis to, to bring this in. Now, talk about unmanned aerial systems. Sure. Unmanned aerial systems has been around since World War I. Uh, there's been a lot of advances uh, between then and now uh, through World War II and then during the 50s and 60s where things really started taking off. We shifted from, say, reciprocating engines, prop and piston to jet supersonic unmanned aerial systems to to such an extent that it went kind of classified. It fell off the radar screen through the Vietnam War. And then once that was over and done with, we emerged in the 80s. It started re-emerging uh, and getting more, more public space on the scene. And then you open up the 9-11, post-9-11 world, uh, the use of these drones to, you know, weaponize and get the first confirmed kill with the kickoff of Operation Enduring Freedom. And then it's just been on hyperspeed since then. We now have uh, very advanced autonomous capabilities. You know, some people call it the loyal wingman. Uh, jet-powered autonomous capabilities to either fly with a manned aerial system, like a fighter jet, or it can do it standalone, both uh, 
you know, what they call eVTOLs or electrically driven vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. It was so advanced and it caught me flat-footed, to be honest with you, that uh, when you merge that with the adaptive automation piece, we are on the precipice of a very big change that can influence the, the aviation industry on a wide scale. Well, and I'm thinking of, you know, what was that movie, Airplane? <laughs> Where, yeah. You know, okay. A- autopilot. Yeah, if, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, if, if something happens to the pilot, of course you want to have that backup, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that what you've helped me understand is that's, that's not really what we're talking about here. Because if it's going to, if we're talking about artificial intelligence and, and uh, where it, it flips the, the script to where the machine is then, how did you describe it? You, you said uh, it, where it's... Um, it's essentially learning you. You learning are training you. the AI. Yes. Es- essentially. You know, we think that we're using AI to increase safety and productivity. The truth of the matter is AI is using us to learn how to do our job. Okay, when we come back, we're going to take a break and we'll talk more about that. Okay. Still doing your own audio and video media? If you're creating your own video series, TV, podcasts, and ad files, you're not focused on your business. Your community needs you to keep being awesome while professionals take care of audio and video details. Bet you didn't know your show could have a studio audience with Q&A. And applause. Take your TV and podcast show to the next level. Focus on managing the business end of your inner celebrity. Get over here to the OBBM Network Studios at Grace Point Media in Farmer's Brand. Discover three state-of-the-art television studios two podcast studios equipped for multiple participants and audience guests obbm network studios at grace point media is the highest level of set direction audio video production quality network programming and broadcasting for your business your message could be in front of people you want to reach right here in dfw and beyond call 214-714-0495 to talk through your ideas now 214-714-0495 it's time to make media work for you to power on with Dr. Dean. Dr. Dean Family Chiropractic has been serving Irving for 20 years, correcting whiplash, sciatica, headaches, and low back pain because when the pressure's off, the power is on. Most people don't realize that a healthy spine equals a healthy nervous system. Just how many ways can that impact your life every day? Sports injuries, motor vehicle accidents, even the wrong shoes at work or play. The power is on at Dr. Dean Family Chiropractic in Irving, Texas. Call 972-258- 6220. That's 972 258 Dr. Dean's got your back. All right, we're back with Social Impact. I'm Lynn Davenport, your host with Mike Yanez. And we're talking about aviation. And, and so let's just go into artificial intelligence, how it relates to the field and your uh, observation of, um, or really your, your, um, how you were reading Allison McDowell's work and made this connection. Mm-hmm. So when you start off with the World Economic Forum and how they, they're really touting artificial intelligence as kind of being the savior to all our ills and problems, mm-hmm. uh, I got turned on to Allison's work uh, about midway through writing my paper when I started seeing the patterns emerge about how artificial intelligence is essentially learning us. And more specifically, in the aviation sense, a lot of the peer-reviewed journals repeated time and again. Uh, you know, we've come a long way with artificial intelligence, neural networks, machine learning, but it's just not quite there to replace human intuition. And human intuition on the flight deck is key to our survival. So when you look at it in that sense, with the overwhelming push to, say, remove a human from the flight deck, you're, you're really missing a key piece of that human intuition. 
in addition, what Allison alluded to was with us using or benef- benefiting using air quotes here, uh, artificial intelligence, it's more the machine is using us to learn how we do business. In this case, if you have a good day and you do everything right, the machine notices that. Or if you have a bad day, you do something wrong or you make a mistake, but yet you recover, you make a course correction, the machine remembers that. Or if you have a bad day and you ultimately fail, the machine remembers that and it's building this. These neural networks are built to such a degree that it mimics the human brain and machine learning. That's what it's all about. So if we are doing our jobs to the best of our ability, despite our fallibilities, to make a mistake here and there, we have the intuition and the self-awareness to course correct or to do things better. Well, little do we know, just like Allison stated, if you get on the other side of the mirror, that machine is taking that data. It's just one piece of, you know, what they call the surveillance capitalism piece. To essentially, you know, job loss is talked about in world economic, world, the World Economic Forum's books over and over again. They kind of couch it and market it that, well, we have the choice. We can either sit back and allow this dystopian future to take hold, or we can you know, get on the boat of the public-private partnership boat here mm-hmm. and have a say. Uh, it's still going to happen, but uh, yeah, you can get a seat and join the ride if you so wish. See, I find that this that the chambers of commerce, I call them you know, death chambers or, or echo chambers of commerce, because they're the ones at the local level that are helping to push these public-private partnerships and the things that will usher in this future, in, in the future of work that we, we really don't want. But it sounds right. good when you're talking about machine learning, AI, and how oh, it's, it is a dystopian future. But it's pitched as this, this um, panacea for all of our problems. But there are unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Consequences, and so you had you had kind of painted a picture for me of what it's like. Or actually, they were using examples. Uh, you, you said that, that in the airline industry, mm-hmm. that it has been largely successful and safe. But yet, there are a few examples that they use. But I think that exception proves the rule. But you were saying that it, in those cases where there were plane crashes. And, and um, the technology failed. Talk about that. Do you remember? Sure. So there's, yeah. So the P3 piece, uh, let me just uh, speak to that shortly. You know, those independent references that, uh, that, I, that I alluded to earlier in the podcast were the P3 model, what I call the P3 model in the, in the paper, because I just got sick and tired of writing public-private partnership. It's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, I called it the P3 model. These independent sources were saying, hey, this is not the way to go. This is the, the path to loss of public voice. And so, you know, I put an earmark on that, and uh, I read the books. And, I actually and, wrote an article that says, public-private partnerships, where's the public? In right, public where is it? In P3 you know, and you, words mean sure. things. You know, we talked about this, words meaning things. Mm-hmm. And in the book, I kind of got the sense, and it essentially confirmed these independent sources' uh, opinion or analysis of you know, the Klaus Schwab's mm-hmm. three pieces of literature, uh, that you know, there is a real risk of losing public voice here. And now going back to these disasters where they're trying to pin their hat or hang their hat on this failure of the current automation architecture. Case in point, I use Air France 447, where there was a a component failure uh, that specifically uh, provided a key piece of information that allowed the autopilot to function pretty, pretty flawlessly. Well, this architecture is designed in such a way that if this automation does not have a key piece of information, it's, it's by design to alert the pilots and say, you know what? I'm not getting any information I need. I'm out. You humans take over. And in this case, 
the humans were confounded uh, by the information coming through digital displays. And a lot of the key research in this regard for adaptive automation has pointed to, and what we're just now realizing with this digital revolution, that the human brain burns more brain glucose in trying to read, interpret, and then throw that into the cognitive machine uh, and figuring out what is it that it's telling me. So in the effort to make things easier or more automated in these advanced flight decks that are, you know, all in every one, every one of our airliners, we are essentially hamstringing ourselves as humans. We're hitting this limit. And they're saying because of this limit, we now need to connect the human with some sort of AI-based autopilot or what they call adaptive automation. And therein lies the rub. It goes right back to what Klaus Schwab was saying. It goes right back to what Alice McDowell was saying. It's like, oh, you're connecting the human element or, uh, with the technological element mm-hmm. in the case of flight safety. So they've, they've made some great strides. But like I said, we're not quite there yet. Um, and there are some very powerful financial f- forces at play here that can see, oh, if I limit maybe a pilot from the flight deck, I could save untold billions of dollars. Right, and we see that where there's a reduction in, well, they say human capital, which I hate that term, but but uh, in order to save money, they're wanting to cram more kids in a classroom so then you can have you know, one or two digital facilitators and have a class of 60, 80, 100 kids uh, using technology primarily. And then you'd have a virtual instructor too. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Uh, so, I mean, you're just tying it into to what we're seeing in other industries with automation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what, what are some other issues you're seeing that you want to, to bring up in relation to the machine learning or AI in relation to aviation? So in this case, I want, uh, you know, my, the purpose of my paper is to just get the conversation out there in the public psyche. You know, if when you buy an airline ticket, do you realize what's going on on the flight deck? You don't. There, I mean, there's a barrier there. No. And they're thinking about putting another barrier there. Um, and so right now, when you talk to an airline pilot, and if you go walk the, the terminals, you, know, you go see an airline pilot and say, hey, I'd like to ask you some aviation questions. These airline pilots are quite gregarious, very friendly. And they'd be more than happy to talk to you, uh, especially when you bring aviation up as a subject. I was with some some pilots uh, recently picketing or, or uh, protesting in front of Southwest Air because they were trying to mandate the, the vaccines mm-hmm. for the pilots. And actually, the next day, they, they removed the, the mandate, uh, at least for now. Uh, so I, I do I have talked to pilots here and there, and it's, it's interesting to see uh, the, what's going on out there and, and because I think it's a it's a huge tool for controlling us in, in so many ways, whether it's the masks or the vaccines or all of these things going on behind the scenes that we don't even know about with the artificial intelligence, the machine learning, the mm-hmm. uh, like you said, the unmanned aerial systems. Uh, and and I think that um, without having the conversations, if people don't know that this is happening, then how can we possibly stop? Because yes, this future is coming and I, I know it's a it's a train that is going to be difficult to to stop, but um, knowing what to look for just on the ground level and, and talking to people, what does it really look like behind the scenes? I think it's important for us. So, okay. So when we come back, we'll, we'll go into more uh, about your, your capstone project. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. 
they're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. The Epic Times is independent. We're not controlled by any special interests, and we never will be. The Epic Times is a non-partisan media. That means we don't stand for any political party. This is a battle. A battle between truth and deceit. A battle between forces that would ensnare this country in ignorance and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. Subscribe today and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. We'd love to have you on board. Business runs on technology, and human beings are creatures of habit. Unfortunately, not all our habits are good. Technology, when it works, is supposed to make our lives easier, creating routines that allow us to protect customer data, track our progress, forecast the future, communicate better, and move much faster. So you need technology solutions that work when you're not working or simply not paying attention. Smart technology solutions, making the complicated uncomplicated. It's time to power on with Dr. Dean. Dr. Dean Family Chiropractic has been serving Irving for 20 years, correcting whiplash, sciatica, headaches, and low back pain because when the pressure's off, the power is on. Most people don't realize that a healthy spine equals a healthy nervous system. Just how many ways can that impact your life every day? Sports injuries, motor vehicle accidents, even the wrong shoes at work or play. The power is on at Dr. Dean Family Chiropractic in Irving, Texas. Call 972 That's 972-258-6220. Dr. Dean's got your back. When it's time to perform, it's too late to practice. First Safety Training in DFW supports local communities and churches through firearms training and nonviolent dispute resolution training. Understand the laws related to weapons and deadly force, handgun use and safety, and proper storage practices. A trained and licensed gun-carrying citizen will react quicker to protect themselves and others. Call 214-808-9757 to schedule your introduction to handguns, license to carry, active shooter, church security, and survival training. Be prepared for the best possible outcome of a weaponized attack. Make sure the law is on your side in the event deadly force is necessary. Call 214-808-9757 and work with former law enforcement trainers and range officers. Meet all municipal, county, state, and federal regulations. Understand your gun and how to care for it properly. Call First Safety Training at 214-808-9757 today. We're back with Social Impact. I'm Lynn Davenport here with Mike Yanez, an aviation professional who wrote his capstone paper, Aviation Implications, COVID-19, The Great Reset, and The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Okay, so keep telling us about uh, about this and just go right sure. in. Sure. What I'd like to speak to is just how the, the term adaptive automation entered the, let's say, the run-of-the-mill airline pilots, you know, mental lexicon of terms. Uh, I, I just happened to be walking the terminal, and I found a particular airline pilot for a, a, an easily recognized, successful, you know, Part 121 airline. And I, I asked him, just like, hey, I see you're an airline pilot. I'd like to talk some aviation topics with you, if you don't mind. And he's like, sure, I got time in between flights. And I asked him, like, to what extent have you heard or maybe the unions have talked about adaptive automation coming onto the scene, resulting in job loss? or maybe perhaps removing a pilot uh, from the flight deck under the auspices of what they call commercial single pilot operations. And he's like, mm, 
not so much. I'm aware, but, uh, you know, because I'm with ex-union, you know, and they put out these white papers uh, and talk about it. But nope, uh, I don't think I'm really at risk of losing my job. So I went to another airport uh, on a layover, and I talked to a cargo pilot uh, that I just happened to see walk in the terminal. Same thing. Hey, I noticed you're an airline pilot. I'd like to talk some aviation uh, subjects with you. And he's like, I got all the time in the world. I'm waiting for, you know, a jump seat here. Mm-hmm. And I brought the same, I, I couched the question in the same fashion. He's like, oh, yeah, I was talking to my wife about that just the other day. And I found it very poignant because the airline in which he's employed with is uh, really focusing some big time dollars in adaptive automation uh, to such an extent that they're leveraging, you know, DARPA and DoD technology uh, to bring onto the flight deck to essentially successfully fly a plane. In this case, it's carrying packages and boxes, not cargo or uh, not passengers per se. Well, and Allison McDowell has talked about DARPA quite a bit. Yes, there's a lot of technology through DARPA that, you know, just kind of goes mainstream. Right. They bring it into the education space. Right. And, and then and you had mentioned the, the unions earlier. Correct. The, so the unions are fighting this these battles on the ground over here while so much more is going on at the top that, right. that they, they're, they're not looking at the big picture. And I see that in the teachers unions as well. It's another like common thread of, you know, job loss. Mm-hmm. In this case, you know, you have teacher job loss. Same thing here. You have you have the potential to lose a lot of jobs in the airline industry. Because it's like the computer adaptive assessments that are being pushed into the schools. The same thing is happening with the airline, the aviation industry. There's there's some big time, big funding uh, research going on right now. And it's been going on for a number of years. We just really didn't think to notice it until, say, you know, Klaus Schwab's, uh, you know, COVID-19, the Great Reset comes onto the scene, leveraging this as the key moment to accelerate this. Well, and they tell us their plans. I mean, it's not like this is hiding, you know, a conspiracy hiding and in, in, in anything done in secret. This is all every year they host the World Economic Forum. I know mm-hmm. that that Trump went there. I know Greg Abbott, our governor of Texas, went there. He's been there twice. He has done the same itinerary where he's gone to to uh, Davos, Switzerland, where it's held every year, and then he goes to Israel. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- this is something that they've hosted for a number of years, and world leaders and business leaders are there, and they're telling us what's coming next and what they're going to do next and what we need to do next, and mm-hmm. we fall in line. I know Ivanka Trump was there talking about upskilling, reskilling, and, and this future of work, and, and I'm seeing that happening here just in, in, at the community college level. They're talking about all this. So this is coming in at the local level. It's funny you mentioned upskilling and reskilling uh, reskilling and the future of work because Mm -hmm. shortly after COVID-19, The Great Reset was published, there was another 30-page white paper published by the World Economic Forum called Resetting the Future of Work Agenda. And it goes exactly into what you were just talking about. Now, to be fair, a lot of their topics of discussion were like, well, what's the office of the future going to look like? Oh, what's the transportation and logistical you know, footprints going to look like? But when you do a deep dive search and really analyze the document, you will find that they have these uh, working groups called Accelerating the Future of Work Roundtables. Mm-hmm. Well, you have Boeing, Airbus, Lockheed Martin, General Atomics, Sikorsky. They're all part of these uh, you know, roundtable accelerators resetting the future of work, using air quotes here. Um, well, and I interrupted you, so go back to the cargo pilots. Sure. That was yeah, so it's like getting the, the adaptive automation back into the public lexicon or, you know, for paying passengers, because if they're going to use under the auspices of training AI, 
and if air cargo is the natural logical next step, which I allude to in the paper, as Allison had outlined, if we're using AI to increase safety, efficiency, productivity, I don't think we understand what's coming when, if these powerful forces are going to remove a pilot from the flight deck of an air cargo operator and successfully fly these planes. I mean, as a human, as a human pilot, we pride ourselves in a safe, efficient flight. We use the same airspace system. We fly the same approaches. We, we, we try to pride ourselves on the best landings on the same runways, except this time a cargo airliner has an, a, an adaptive automated assistant as a co-pilot getting that data. So when enough, who, who's to say, when will the, the change happen when the AI says, well, these cargo pilots are pretty darn good. I think I got enough here. Let's go ahead and move over to the passenger side mm-hmm. of the house. So it's a slow creep. It's that incrementalism, and, and you'll see it transfer from the cargo to the passenger. Exactly. Airlines. And there's a lot of examples here, uh, too many to list, that talk about uh, the human element and the technological element working in tandem with safety. There's an air traffic control uh, example that's very, very uh, popular, and it was because it's the ability to keep uh, the human in tip-top performance. And if they get uh, a little bored, the machine will then intervene and nudge the human back to the top of the performance curve. Or if they get a little overwhelmed, the machine will take a little bit more workload away to get them back to the top of the performance curve. They call it the Yerkes-Dodson Law Curve about human performance and anxiety and stress and arousal uh, when it comes that. to workloads. Why? The Yerkes? Yeah, the Yerkes-Dodson Law Curve. Y-E-R-K-E-S, mm-hmm. Dodson. That was an eye-opening uh, moment for me, in the, especially under the context of the air traffic control experiment where they, they essentially tied these uh, brainwave uh, devices to their brains and it measured their brain activity and they used these algorithms uh, to read the air traffic controller's workload and then intervene based on this algorithm whether to, should I help the air traffic controller or not? Or is this air traffic controller working hard enough? Should I inject some workload that gets them back to the top of the curve? Because at the extreme right and the extreme left of the curve is where you have uh, excessive workload and you know low arousal. And if you have some emergent scenario happen, you are now at the low performance end of the curve. That is when you suffer a startled response. That's when bad things start to happen. And there's a couple of you know, unfortunately, air disaster examples of when that has occurred. You know, Colgan 3407, where it crashed in Buffalo, New York. It was, once again, the automation was doing exactly as it was designed to do. In this case, it reached some performance limit tied to airspeed. And the automation says, you know what? This is not normal. I'm out. Pilot, you've got it. The pilot was at the low arousal, kind of bored end of the curve. And the autopilot threw it back at him, and he had, a, in this case, an appropriate, inappropriate response that led to a disaster and the loss of 50 lives. Wow. That's why they're trying to hang their hat on that. Mm-hmm. Well, so I know that we've talked about, essentially, this, the social impact of all of this is that you're eliminating more human jobs. Correct. With the, we, the we stand on the precipice, precipice of losing, you know, in this case, Klaus Schwab says untold millions of jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, the aviation industry is a key economic driver uh, to the to the nation's economy and and the global economy, which of course uh, you know I'm not as concerned with. Right? Are we aware of this impact yet as paying passengers? Are we are we ready 
to accept this consequence that adaptive automation has uh, on the future flights of tomorrow's airline flight decks? You, you know, I think we need to get this message out so the passengers can ask, so like, hey, I know this doesn't affect me right now, you know, maybe on the air cargo side, but maybe I will go talk to those airline pilots that I see roaming the terminals at the nation's busiest airports and have this discussion. And that brings me to, those are solutions. I mean, I think those are things like, what else can we do? Or what else can other people in the aviation industry do? Well, get involved. Uh, there's also the regulatory side. The FAA puts out a bi-monthly article called FAA Safety Briefing. It tells you exactly what's coming down the pike. And the, uh, the actual framework, public-private partnerships, on how to do that. So if you want an idea of what's going to be right around the corner, I suggest that they download the bi-monthly issue of FAA Safety Briefing. Um, they might have an eye-opening surprise in there, and they can get involved in that regard mm-hmm. in sharing this and getting all these terms in their mental public lexicon. Well, this, the work that you've done is so impressive. I will have a, a copy or a, a link to the capstone paper so that people can read it themselves because it's just rich, full of details and, and things that are coming and things that we can be warned about. Uh, so thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. You've done a great job laying it out for us. Thank you, Lynn. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Social Impact Podcast on the OBBN Network. Available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeart, and anywhere you enjoy listening to podcasts. For more information about how you can get involved to educate our local DFW communities or to be a guest or sponsor of Social Impact Podcast, call 214-673-4018. For OBBM Network programming information or permissions for reproduction segments of the show, call 214-714-0495. Social Impact Podcast is created by Offbeat Business Media, LLC. For the OBBM Network, unauthorized use of this content, the Social Impact Podcast or OBBM Network brands are expressly prohibited.